All right, Elevate, how are you guys doing? There you are. So if you guys don't know me, my name is Josh, and I'm the creative pastor here, and I get to preach to you guys tonight. Isn't that great? Hey! So if you guys will let me, we're going to talk a little bit about hope tonight. Uh, but before we get started, uh, we're going to start with some scripture, and then we're going to pray. And so first up, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that tonight that my words will be your words. I pray that you would use me tonight, even though I'm really not worthy to even be a part of what you're doing here. Lord, I pray that you would speak to your people through me. And I pray that we can all find a little hope, a little certain hope together tonight. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's look back at that verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. I know I usually break out the dictionary on you guys. I'm not going to do it tonight. So, oh, yay. But we are going to break this down a little bit. So first, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, so we do not have to be afraid. But he's given us a spirit of power. That means he's given us power to overcome the world around us. And he's given us a spirit of love. That means he's given us the ability to love the people around us. That can be hard, right, sometimes. We need to love the people around us. And he's given us a sound mind. That one just means peace. We can be calm. We can have self-control. We can have peace in a tough world. And I don't know about you, but to me, that, that kind of sounds like the definition of hope, right? It kind of sounds like what we think hope is. But I actually, I kind of want to shift your perspective a little bit on hope tonight. You know, I think that the way we normally use the words hope is it's not exactly the way the Bible teaches that word hope. So let's look at what is the just ordinary definition of hope. And so rather than like cracking out the dictionary, I'm going to use some, uh, some hope like in a sentence. And so the first one, and Jake will pull this up for us, and these things you guys may be thinking is, I hope the food is good tonight, right? I know there's a whole lobby full of food, and you guys, well, I hope it's pretty good. And you may also be thinking, well, I, I hope that this guy doesn't preach forever. Well, if you've heard me preach, you know I'm probably not going to preach forever. And then uh, here's one that you've definitely probably heard. Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope. So there's these cultural ways that we use the word hope. And, you know, I know those are kind of goofy, but here's one thing I just want to make clear. And if you're taking notes, now's the time. This is the thing I want you to write down. This is your take home. When we ordinarily use the word hope, we're really expressing uncertainty rather than certainty. So when we ordinarily use that word hope, we express uncertainty rather than certainty. And that's a problem. That's what that perspective, I want to shift a little bit. So let me show you, let me go back to those sentences. When you say that, well, I hope the food is good tonight, what you're really saying is I have no idea if the food is going to be any good at all, right? And then if you say, I hope this guy doesn't preach long, you're going, oh, this guy's probably going to preach forever. And if you're saying, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only hope, what you're actually saying is if Obi-Wan can't help us, nobody can. And so a lot of times when we use that word hope, we just... We're just really expressing uncertainty. And I think for me, that was kind of weird when I was studying this concept of hope that I really use that word wrong a lot of times in the day when I use it. So what's that extraordinary definition? Where am I going to point you to? The first place we need to go is the Bible. And so I mentioned this today when we prayed in the morning service, but John 16, 33, it says, 
I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Here's what impor- what's important about this. This isn't saying to just tuck your head in the sand and to ignore bad stuff. It's, it's looking at that trouble that you're going to have. It's saying you're going to have trouble. It looks that trouble right in the face, and it says, that's okay. I have overcome the world. And that's what's important about this version of hope. This version of hope is certain. It's not uncertain. It knows that the world has been overcome. And that comes from the idea that Christ died for our sins. That's where that certain hope comes from. This stuff all works together. You know, you look at 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We can have that peace, that sound mind, because we know from John 16.33 that the world has been overcome. That's a connection I'd kind of like to make for you tonight, that we can have this certain hope. It can be there. We can have this confidence that it's going to be okay, that at the end of the day, No matter how bad things get, how bad of a day you have, you can turn back and say, God saved me. He redeemed me. I have this ultimate certain hope. But we can talk about it all day, but I think you guys know and I know that that doesn't come naturally, right? It doesn't come naturally in the Bible either. So let's look at what the psalmist says. But in just a second, I do have a few points. This hope, this certain hope, it takes hard work. That's the first thing we're going to say. It takes hard work. So let's see what the psalmist says. Psalm 42.5, he says, Why, oh my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I don't know about you guys. I love the psalms. It connects so well to humanity in it. He says, Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. So in this verse, he's preaching to himself, right? That's the concept here. He's having trouble. The world's hit him, knocked him down. But as he says, anyways, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So you're going to have trouble. We know that the world's, you, that you can overcome the world. That's the idea here, is that you need to do like the psalmist does. You need to teach yourself daily. And you're like, well, how do I do that? You've got to point yourself right back to the Word. So let's look at Romans 10, 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ, right? So we know this, right? We know that we can overcome the world. We know that we can have peace, that we can have a sound mind, we can have confidence, we can have power. But the only way you're really going to know that is if you turn to the word regularly, daily if you can, to remind you of that. You've You've got to preach that concept to yourself every day, that you can have hope. So let me give you some examples. Let's say that you don't feel like you can push past your feelings of inadequacy. Well, 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That's what the psalmist does. He says, For yet I will praise him. Let's say that you're feeling like you're not good enough. I tell you what, when I talk to people, that's got to be the number one things that comes up. I don't feel like I'm good enough, man. I've done too many bad things. Well, in Romans 5, 8, it says that but God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You're not not good enough. God doesn't care how good you were before you came to him. Feeling like you can't handle it anymore. Psalm 145, 18 says the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. You feel like you're not strong enough? What have we already looked at today? 2 Timothy 1, 7 
says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And finally, you just feel like you can't find peace, John 16, 33. You're going to find trouble. It's going to happen. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So that certain hope, it takes hard work. Preach to yourself daily. But it also takes perspective. Now, we're going to do something a little fun. You guys want to play a game with me? We're going to play a game. It's going to be good. I'm going to need, I'm going to need you to focus for this one. So it takes perspective. To talk about perspective, I'm going to give you an illustration. And so I do. I really need you to focus. This is kind of a bit of psychology. And so I'm going to give you 15 seconds. And what I want you to do is for 15 seconds, and there's going to be a timer. I'll tell Jake when to do it. You're going to look all around the room, and you're going to count every single thing that you can that's black. Look around the room. Count every single thing that you can that's black. So all right, get ready. Three, two, one. Go. It's a tough assignment. Count all the things that you can in the room that are black. There's going to be a test. There's not going to be a test. I'm sure you guys did a great job. I'm sure you counted everything in the room. Now, you've got a number, right? You've got a number. I want you to really fixate on that number in your head and now close your eyes. So... You've, you've done great. You've got every single thing in the room that's black. Now you've got your number, and I want you to focus on it really, really hard. And now here is actually a test. How many things in the room were red? There you go. I see the chuckles. You probably know where I'm going. We're going to go there anyways. How many things in the room were orange or green or gray? Y'all, we like gray at LA. It's everywhere. All right, you can open your eyes. So here's the deal. This is, I, I, I've come back to this. I, read this. I read this from a book called Holy Hustle. And um, it's a great book. It's a great author. And uh, this concept is great too. And I've come back to it, oh my gosh, almost every day. So the black stuff in that analogy, the stuff I had you really focus on, that's kind of like the bad stuff in your life. That's the meetings that don't go well, the contracts that you get that fall through. That's the people that are rude to you. I don't know. It's just every single thing that is tough and horrible. And so when I asked you to find something red, you could probably see a few things. I'm wearing red. We got the reddest drum set on the planet back here. But it was still fuzzy, right? You didn't exactly have clarity on those things. And that's because you were focused on the things in the room that were black. So let's go and look back at John 16:33. What does it say? In this world you will have trouble. There's going to be black stuff. It's going to be tough. But when you're preaching to yourself daily, you've got to make sure to not focus on that black stuff. Make a point of it. Make a point to think about the red stuff, the green stuff, the blue stuff. Try to find those things. And I'm not saying, and neither is this verse, that you should just bury your head in the sand. That's not the point of this. Because the point is that there is going to be bad stuff. You've got to look that bad stuff in the face and say that God overcame the world for me. And you've also got these things in your life that you can find focus on and find some clarity on those things. So you've got to find perspective. You've got to find the right perspective. You've got to make sure that you're preaching this concept to yourself daily. But finally... You've got to have hope against hope. 
And when I say that, you've got to have a certain hope. You know, we've, we've talked about finding that certainty and hope. So I'm going to tell you two stories, and the first one's from the Bible, and then the second one will kind of be from my life. Um, but the first one is a guy that you all know. Who in here knows Abraham? Yay, we went to Sunday school. Yeah, we know Abraham, right? All right, so let's look at Romans 4, 18. Against all hope. Here's what's cool about that. That hope, that's the hope that I hope the food is good. You know, that's the hope we're talking about. So against all natural, ordinary hope. Abraham in hope, which is certain. So Abraham certainly hoped he believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's room was also dead. So Abraham was told that he was going to have it. He was going to have kids, but he was very, very old. And so, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. You've heard that story, but the point is, is that Abraham had a certain hope, despite what people said. Despite what, you know, your friends and family may say around you, what his friends and family said, he believed that, that it was going to happen. And he stayed that way. And he found that certain hope. I'll give you a little trick and a little analogy. So we talked about going back to the Word, right? I want you to picture yourself having a reservoir. You know, like big cities have reservoirs, so if we go through a drought, we can pull water from those. So you need to have a hope reservoir, that's what Abraham had. And so when you go through life, you've got to fill that hope reservoir because here's what's going to happen. Bad stuff's going to come your way. It's going to get tough. And the hope that you have, it's going to get kind of drained. It's going to get choked on. And what you've got to do is you've got to go back regularly with that teaching yourself, being in the Bible, and you've got to refill that hope, res that hope reservoir with that certain hope that you find in the Bible and in the Word that we talked about. And that's what Abraham did. And that's kind of where I'm going with this story next. So I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a story about a family that Kathleen and I know. Uh, you guys won't know them. They're not from here. Um, spoiler alert, they have this certain hope. They, uh, they probably, of any family that I, I've almost ever known, have endured more loss, uh, more trouble, really, yeah, than anybody I've known. And so their story starts when they're young. They get married, and they pray, and they wait for a child, and they get pregnant, and they carry to term. And then six months down the road, disaster strikes their family. And you guys may connect to some of the elements of the story, and, that, and that's, 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 that's going to be tough. Um, Six months down the road, they, they find out that their daughter, they'd had, is diagnosed with an inoperable form of brain cancer. And so they uproot their life, and they end up going to St. Jude. And now, if you know anything about St. Jude, you know that you don't, you don't just get accepted to St. Jude. You get accepted to St. Jude if you can be in a research program. And so they took their daughter to St. Jude because they were able to get accepted because it was a rare 
inoperable form of the disease. And so they uproot their life, they go to St. Jude, and they spend four grueling years fighting that disease. And they lost their daughter. She died when she was five. And they watched their daughter degrade over that time. I don't know about you guys, but at that point, I'm, I'm personally, I'm probably done. You know, I don't, I don't really think I would have had the energy to move. And there's, there may be some people here who've dealt with the loss of a child, and I just cannot imagine. I cannot imagine. But they reached down into that certain hope that we talked about. And they kept going. And so their story has a good ending. You know, now they have two children, two more children. And those children have families of their own. And they look back warmly at the time that they had with their first daughter. But, you know, I told you that they had experienced loss, right? It didn't stop with that first loss, with the loss of their first daughter. Over the time where they had their next two children, the mother had six miscarriages. Six. And so I personally can't imagine the grueling, just joy-destroying pain and stress that they fought through for so many years. But they kept going because they knew they were going to have a family. So now I get to tell you the cool part. I get to tell you what they do. So not just a regular family, that father's a minister. And he's not just a regular minister. He's a global, he leads a global missions organization that helps other families in needs. So what I'm telling you is just like Pastor Robert taught about just a couple weeks ago, God puts some people in situations. And he puts some people in situations where he can just shine, where it's only possible because he gives people the ability to push through. That's what that family does. That family pushed through. And today they have a family, but they pushed through so much pain. And they didn't just refill their hope reservoirs. They go around and they refill other people's hope reservoirs. And if I don't say anything but that tonight is that you guys can have a certain hope. It is possible. It's possible for God to work through you and give you a hope that you didn't know you had if you'll preach to yourself, get yourself in the Word, and just focus on the good things that God's brought to your life. And that's actually why we're about to take communion. Who in here has kind of really thought about what communion means before? I used, I used to really not. I used to show up and I would, uh, I would just show up and I'd get my cup and take my communion and I'd be like, oh, I, I checked my box off. I did my thing. Hope is certain hope. One of the ways that we do that, that we preach to ourselves, is we take communion. Um, it's an opportunity for us to physically remind ourselves about the sacrifice that Christ did, what he gave for us. So I'm going to pray. And, um, and then we'll kind of, we'll go ahead and we'll take communion. So Lord, I, I thank you for this opportunity we have tonight. I thank you that you did what you did. And not only that, you set it up in a way that we can be reminded about it. That we can do this physical thing to remember your sacrifice. I pray that you would bless our time together as we remember what you did on the cross. 
And I thank you for all the wonderful things you've done for us. And in Jesus' name we pray.